Hey, you're listening to episode 221, and today we're chatting about, oh, binge eating disorder, bulimia, emotional eating. Sarah, our guest today, is sharing a bit of her story and experience about healing from bulimia, an overview of the five bodies of health, physical, mental, emotional, energetic, and soul, and how they can contribute to one's issues with eating food and body. The biggest factors contributing to the development of binging, most common cognitive distress distortions that can lead to problematic eating, how mindfulness meditation practice can help improve one's habit of thinking, understanding the emotional eating cycle from DBT perspective. I mean, this episode is epic. We get into how absorbing and inheriting emotional energies can contribute to eating issues, steps to take to address each body of health and healing from the inside out. Oh, our guest, Sarah Spears, is amazing. I, I had a call with her a couple of months ago just because she's doing amazing work in the world. And I just wanted to find out how I could support her. And after having a call with her, I was just like, you need to come on the show and share your message because you are powerful and so many women need to hear this. So Sarah Spears is a licensed therapist, LMFT, energy worker and award-winning speaker who has helped hundreds of individuals improve their mental and emotional health through a holistic approach that fuses traditional and energetic therapeutic modalities. She is certified in emotional freedom technique, the emotion code, and is a Reiki master. Currently, she is the director of behavioral health at Premier Fitness Camp and formally directed the treatment program for binge eating disorder at UCSD Share. Sarah specializes in the treatment of food and eating issues, offering online group programs and one-on-one coaching for recovery from bulimia and similar disordered eating as well as therapeutic energy work. If you have questions about today's content, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. You can catch up on previous podcast episodes and notes from today's show by going to ketodietpodcast.com. And if you're wanting more support in relation to eating and bulimia and emotional eating and everything, I actually have a program for that called Whole Keto. You can find out more by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash whole. You can also find Sarah on Instagram at Sarah Spears MFT. Her Facebook is Sarah Spears MFT. She also has a Facebook group called Support Her and you can find her on her website sarahspears.com. Okay, let's do this thing. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel, and you're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've put together a free 21-page guide on achieving weight loss on your keto diet if nothing is working. Did you know imbalanced hormones are generally at the core of all struggles that women face when it comes to our weight? Grab your free guide at ketoforwomen.com to get the steps you need to overcome the hurdles standing in your way. Thanks so much for listening, and let's get started with the show. Hi, my name is Sarah Spears, and I'm a licensed therapist and energy worker who specializes in the treatment of eating weight and body issues, as well as more severe eating disorders such as bulimia and binge eating. I help individuals striving to improve their health and happiness understand, process, and heal the internal factors contributing to one's issues with food and one's body. Because spoiler alert, typically issues with food are about a whole lot more than food. Food is one piece of the puzzle. That's true. And it is an important piece, but there are other pieces of the wellness and health puzzle, the feeling good puzzle that you have to address to truly achieve true health and well-being of mind, body, and spirit. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, it's because you care about your health and you're embarking on a journey of trying to improve your health. Maybe you've struggled with your relationship with food and with your weight for a part of your life, if not all of your life. Maybe you know you struggle with disordered eating. Maybe you identify with having an eating disorder. Maybe you experience obsessive thinking and anxiety about food or what to eat or compulsive overeating or binge eating and purging. And maybe you think this doesn't apply to you, but I assure you it doesn't matter where you're at or what you're struggling with when it comes to your eating, everyone can benefit from knowing the key steps to take 
to prevent yourself from developing a severe eating disorder and what you can do to start to heal your relationship with food, eating, and your body. I know from personal experience, I had been a normal eater most of my life, and it wasn't until the age of 25 that I developed severe bulimia. My intention had been to be as healthy as I could be, and the result was I became the most unhealthy I had ever been in my entire life. Without meaning to, I lost a ton of muscle, weighed under 100 pounds, I stopped getting my period, I became severely depressed, I started binging and purging, I was losing my hair, I had terrible acne, and I was stuck in deep self-loathing. So I know from experience that it can be easy to have the right intention and very difficult to know what steps to take that are actually right for you to get the results you want and to feel the way that you want to feel in your body because everybody's body is different. So your path to optimal wellness is going to be unique to you. I vowed to heal myself from bulimia so I could help other women avoid experiencing what I went through because it was torture living in this mental hell of food and eating. So my intention with this podcast is to really make sure you are equipped with the knowledge you need to prevent yourself from developing disordered eating tendencies as you embark on your health journey, whether that's following a keto lifestyle or another approach that feels right for you. I'm going to cover five things, five tips or warning signs that are underlying eating issues and explain to you the five bodies of health that are so imperative to address to truly achieve a healthy body, mind, and spirit from the inside out. I'll also be sharing a few of my favorite tools and techniques that you can start to use today to improve your mental and emotional wellness while you're working on improving your physical health through your intentional nutrition choices. It is going to be juicy, I promise you, and I'm so excited to share it with you. So before we dive in, I just wanna give you a really quick background about myself, so I'm not a total stranger, and you understand you know, why you should listen to me. I've had a 10-year career focused on the psychology of eating, weight, and body issues. Currently, I am the Director of Behavioral Health at Premier Fitness Camp, located in Carlsbad, California. Formerly, I developed and directed an intensive outpatient program and partial hospitalization program for the treatment of binge eating disorder in adolescents and adults at the University of California, San Diego's Center for Healthy Eating and Activity Research, also known as CHEER. That's a mouthful. But basically, it's a center that focuses on treating eating disorder issues and doing research on obesity, binge eating disorder, and weight loss practices. I've worked in private practices and eating disorder clinics, and I did research at the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity, which at the time was at Yale University. I've had the immense privilege to work with thousands of people to improve their health from the inside out. And I take a very unique approach when working with clients that integrates traditional therapeutic modalities, such as cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, and mindfulness-based stress reduction with energy healing modalities, including emotional freedom technique, emotion code, and Reiki. And I'm going to talk more about that later. I have found this fusion to be a potent combination for rapid and profound change. So my professional experience and training combined with my own personal healing journey has led me to develop a process to heal one's issues with food and eating by addressing these five bodies of health, which are the physical body, mental, emotional, energetic, and spiritual bodies. Now, as I said, everybody's body is different. So which of these five bodies of health are most greatly impacting you is going to vary person to person. If you would like to know what specifically is underlying your eating issues as I go, I've created a free quiz that you can access on my website, www.sarahspears.com. And this will give you insight into which of the bodies of health are most affecting you that you benefit the most from addressing now moving forward on your journey. I like to think of it as your own individualized roadmap towards total wellness. So with that, let's dive in. Today's episode continues after this short message from one of my sponsors who make the show possible, plus give you some great deals on my favorite things. 
Low-carb snacks are super easy to make, but sometimes the effort plus finding all the ingredients is just too much work. We're talking the cookie types of snacks, brownie bites, blondie bites, the lunch-friendly variety that satisfy your sweet tooth, pack well no matter what you're up to, and keep you flying on high-fat goodness throughout the day. Now, Fat Snacks creates low-carb, keto-friendly baked goods that are packed with healthy fats and actually taste good. Like, for real. I've served them up to friends and they had no idea that they were eating sugar-free, gluten-free treats. Now, Kevin loves their new Blondie Bites. I can't have too many because they contain dairy, but the consistency is absolutely perfect. You can find Fat Snacks at Whole Foods, Sprouts, The Vitamin Shop, Wegmans, and thousands of other retail locations in the cookie section, or get them online by going to fatsnacks.com KDP and use the code KDP for free shipping. Again, that's fatsnacks, S-N-A-X dot com slash KDP and KDP for free shipping. Enjoy. First, I want to start by explaining the difference between binge eating disorder, emotional eating, and bulimia so that we're all on the same page and in case there's any confusion about what I'm talking about. Binge eating disorder is when somebody eats an objectively large amount of food in a short period of time. Objectively large is typically around two to three times what would be considered a normal amount for somebody your age and size. Two to three times a normal dinner, two to three times a normal snack. And in a short period of time is usually within one to two hours. Binge eating disorder is also characterized by a loss of control at some point while eating. So this is a sensation that even if you wanted to, you can't stop. When I would experience binges, I literally would have a voice in my head, the voice of reason saying, Sarah, you don't have to do this. You don't have to go to the supermarket and buy this food and eat it. You can choose a different action. And even though I was trying to talk myself out of it, it felt like there was this force that took over or a switch that got turned on and I just could not control myself. And I would go into this automatic eating kind of process or motion and it would cause extreme distress, which is kind of the other marker of binge eating disorder is stress. It's very distressing when you feel like you can't control yourself and the eating issues that you're experiencing. Now, somebody with bulimia is going to experience those same binges, except it's followed by some form of a compensatory behavior to sort of undo uh, the eating damage, which is often how somebody with bulimia like myself would think of it. I did something bad, so I need to undo this. And that for me was purging, which is really the most common way. But you also might experience excessive exercise I'm talking hours and hours and hours at the gym to the point that it's unhealthy or unsafe for your body. Also abusing diet pills or laxatives, things such as that can count as bulimia. There can also be a really severe perception of one's weight and associating weight to worth or self-image. The last category I like to include is just emotional eating because you might not actually meet the criteria for an eating disorder, but you're still feeling distressed about the fact that you can't seem to control your eating. So emotional eating might be feeling stressed at the end of the day, knowing you're upset about something. Emotional eating can also be in response to a positive or happy emotion, especially around the holidays. That can be really common Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, you know, we gather with family and friends and we can eat because it's part of the the fun and the connection and the enjoyment that we experience when we're together. So with emotional eating, it may not be an objectively large amount of food and there may not be this unhealthy compensatory behavior afterwards but you're still eating in response to an emotion, not in response to physical hunger. And there's a feeling of frustration that can accompany that. And a a knowing that it's a habit or behavior that isn't necessarily helping you feel better in the long run. And it's something you want to work on. Ultimately, the underlying root for any of these binge eating disorder, bulimia, or emotional eating is going to be the same. They just manifest in slightly different or more severe symptoms. So regardless of what eating tendencies you're experiencing or which of these categories you may fall into, the following information about the five bodies of health is relevant 
and it'll be important that you address each one as you strive to improve your health. They're all an important key to the health puzzle. Let's start with the physical body. One of the biggest, I want to reemphasize biggest factors. If you don't listen to anything, just this one thing, please listen to this, that contributes to the development of binge eating. Loss of control over eating is restriction. I repeat, it is restriction, restriction of calories, um, having a very low caloric intake. If you don't consume sufficient calories or the nutrients that your body needs, over time, it will activate the survival mechanism of your brain. Your brain is designed to keep you alive. And if you restrict calories for a long period of time, your brain will interpret that to be artificial scarcity. It will think you're in a famine, there's a scarcity of food, and your survival is threatened. So your brain, the animal part of your brain, is going to signal for you to eat more and to crave foods, especially foods that are going to be high in fat and sugar and calories because it thinks you need the calories and the fuel. I know that this is true. And this is the one thing I wish my younger self knew prior to developing the eating disorder. Because one of the things that made me slide into this disordered eating was at the time I was only eating about 800 to 900 calories a day. I wasn't giving my body enough fuel, which is why I started to burn muscle and start to waste away. And pretty soon I was experiencing intense urges to binge that no amount of willpower could resist, right? The animal brain's desire for survival will override your conscious mind's desire to lose weight always. It is so powerful. So this means if you're embarking on a keto lifestyle, I want to just make sure that you make sure you're just getting enough fuel, okay? Make sure you're eating enough and get the nutrients that your body needs because you need to assure your brain that there's nothing to fear. And by feeding yourself enough calories and proper nutrients, then your body is literally able to thrive and heal itself. So I don't care what diet plan or food guidelines you follow, just make sure you're getting enough calories and eating consistently and at regular time intervals. The next body of health is the mental body. This includes your inner critic, and the negative automatic thoughts that can contribute to feelings and urges that lead you to overeat, as well as deeply seated subconscious core beliefs about yourself and the world that typically become hardwired in the mind between the ages of six and 10. Most of us, if not all of us, are operating off of programming from the time as children. And that's the time when we conclude often that there's something wrong with us, that I'm not good enough, that I have to be perfect to be loved, that I have to look a certain way to be accepted. When you're children, you don't have the prefrontal cortex fully developed to make more accurate conclusions about the world. You tend to conclude that things happen as a result of you. It's very egocentric. Now, as adults, it can be very challenging to identify which core beliefs are affecting you because by design, your conscious mind can't access the subconscious programming. The good news is there are a number of therapeutic techniques that can access and reprogram the subconscious mind. The one that I personally use is called emotional freedom technique. And I'm going to talk about that more in depth shortly. The bad news is um, I can't really teach you how to do that technique in this podcast, um, and it's best to work one-on-one -on -one with someone to begin so they can really guide you through the process effectively. However, what you can start doing today on your own is to become a mindful observer of your thoughts and begin to identify your cognitive distortions so you can choose more accurate and helpful thoughts. Now, according to CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, your thoughts create your feelings, which create your actions. And if you can improve your thinking, then you will naturally experience positive shifts in how you're feeling and behaving. So I encourage you to really listen to how you're speaking to yourself and challenge some of the thoughts you're listening to. Because just because you think a thought doesn't mean it is true or you should listen to it. One of the most common cognitive distortions to watch out for is rationalization. These are the reasons we make up, the excuses we make to justify engaging in eating behaviors that we know aren't the best for us. 
a big one you may have experienced is what I call the I'll start tomorrow syndrome. And that's when you tell yourself you're going to start your new diet or eating good or according to the plan tomorrow. And therefore conclude it's okay to eat as much as you want of whatever you want now, because you tell yourself this will be the last time that you're ever going to eat this food again. And that's such an extreme way to think and behave. I cannot tell you how many times I did this during my struggle with bulimia. I had countless binge episodes because I'd convinced myself it was going to be the last one and I was going to eat perfect starting tomorrow. And it's amazing to me how easily we can lie to ourselves. If you hear that voice that says, I'll start tomorrow or I'll start on this date, I just want you to try to simply observe and label it. And you can do that by saying something like, I'm noticing that I'm telling myself I'll start tomorrow. And once you do that, you're able to start to challenge the thought and ask yourself, is that true? What happened the last time I said that? What might be a better choice or action that I'm not going to feel angry or regretful about later? Another common rationalization is the what the heck effect. And that's when you eat something that's bad or maybe not on your keto diet and then conclude that since you already messed up, ah, what the heck, I might as well eat more. I'd also challenge you to watch out for using the words good or bad to describe yourself, your food choices, and your actions. When we eat badly, then we often feel guilt and shame or anger at ourselves. And we conclude that we as human beings are bad. And if we're bad, we deserve to be punished. So this can often become self-inflicted with food. And that's often what we see happening with self-sabotage. When you can become a mindful observer of your thoughts and your inner judge, then you're in a position to decide which thoughts to keep and which thoughts to replace with more adaptive or helpful thoughts. Empower yourself in the present moment to choose how you want to think, feel, or act instead of simply reacting or operating off of an automatic program that's been in place for most of your life. Remember, when you make the unconscious conscious, when you label what you're thinking or feeling, you're strengthening the awareness muscle to change. And the point of power is always in the present moment, not tomorrow, but right here, right now in this moment. That's why I recommend starting a daily meditation or mindfulness practice. This is one of the most important daily self-care practices that you can implement because it strengthens your ability to observe your thoughts without attachment and create stillness to sit with your emotions and inner discomfort without turning to food. Today's episode continues after this short message from one of my sponsors who make the show possible, plus give you some great deals on my favorite things. ButcherBox features 100% grass-fed and finished heritage-bred pork and organic free-range chicken. ButcherBox sends you high-quality, health-promoting meats directly to your door on dry ice and free shipping anywhere in the lower 48. ButcherBox makes committing to quality protein sources less expensive and more available to everyone. Their prices are hard to beat, and it's challenging to find a higher quality product anywhere in the USA. I've been using ButcherBox for years and love the convenience of a package showing up just when I need it, and their ground sausage is an absolute dream. ButcherBox has put together a super special deal for all listeners of the show. Order your first box and get a special gift plus an additional $20 off. Now, this special gift is so epic that I can't even mention it on the episode today. So you'll have to go to butcherbox.com slash keto diet to check out the deal plus get your $20 off your very first order. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash keto diet to check out the deal plus get $20 off your first order. If you're unsure of the link, simply check out today's show notes for all the details. This leads me to the next body of health, which is the emotional body. Now, if you are an emotional eater, it makes logical sense that emotions are a key factor contributing to the problem. But this inner emotional landscape that can drive your eating behaviors is actually way, way, way more complex than you may realize. The theory of binge eating, according to dialectical behavioral therapy, is that if you have a highly sensitive person who grew up in an invalidating environment, 
you're more vulnerable to develop emotional eating. Now, I want you to think about this. Do you consider yourself to be sensitive? Do you feel really strongly or are you sensitive to other people's emotions? Think back to childhood. Were you a sensitive child? I definitely was. I remember going to see Free Willy as a child and my mom literally had to carry me out of the theater because I was sobbing so hard about the whale being mistreated. So that's just an example of being sensitive as a child, but it can show up in lots of ways. The second factor that contributes to binge eating disorder is if you grew up in an invalidating environment. Now, invalidating doesn't necessarily mean bad, but it does mean that your emotions weren't validated and you weren't taught as a child how to understand and process your emotions in a healthy way. Instead, there was confusion about what you were feeling and how to express it. Parents often are very well-intentioned, and maybe your parents told you this, don't cry, be strong. It's okay, there's nothing to be upset about. Parents don't like to see their kids upset, so they want you to feel better, but actually in doing that and, and saying words like that, it makes a child think sometimes that they're wrong for being upset. So if you as a child got upset, cried, and your parents told you not to, then the next time you feel that emotion, rather than cry, you're naturally going to look for other ways to suit because you thought I'm not supposed to express it through crying. And children have very easy access to food and food does soothe in the moment when we're eating. So this very quickly becomes an automatic coping mechanism designed to protect you as a child and to keep you feeling better. But over time, this pattern of self-soothing becomes deeply, deeply ingrained and hardwired in our mind, meaning the millisecond that your body detects inner discomfort or pain as an adult, it's likely sending you a signal immediately to eat your favorite comfort foods because that's the coping mechanism it learned. That's the coping mechanism that's in place. Now, you might be noticing a theme here. What I've been talking about a few different times is that our past our childhood experiences are actually extremely influential over our eating experiences in the present as adults. So that means making positive improvements in your relationship with food and eating as an adult requires healing emotional wounds from experiences over your lifetime that still may be alive inside. If you identify as an emotional eater, a binge eater, if you have bulimia, chances are very high that when you have an urge to eat, it's an indication some feeling is stirring below the surface that doesn't feel good. It might've been something you repressed or something that you've been carrying around inside you for a very long time. Sometimes when we're triggered, it's obvious. Like if you just had an argument with somebody, you're really stressed about work. We understand why we're reaching for food. Other times it's less obvious. I remember when I was dealing with bulimia, feeling so frustrated because I'd be having an amazing day and then seemingly out of nowhere, I'd have a massive binge episode and my conscious mind couldn't understand the cause. I just couldn't piece it together. Like there was nothing in my environment that I thought had triggered me. But what I've learned is that's because the trigger took place on the subconscious level. Your subconscious mind is the most complex computer and it's a library that records every single aspect of every experience you've ever had. It will record the sights, the smells, the tastes, the emotions of every event. And it uses this information from the past to predict the future and keep you safe. Because like I've said, the brain is all about survival. So if you had a really scary or upsetting experience in the past, the brain is going to hold on to these emotional aspects to ensure it can detect future situations that may be similar. So for example, let's say you experienced bullying as a child, and you can still recall how the bully looked, the words they spoke, and the tone of their voice. Well, in the present moment, you may be having a great day and go out to eat and be having a nice conversation with friends and the waiter comes over and his tone of voice sounds just like one of the bullies. You might not have put that together, but if your subconscious mind detects this, you may suddenly be flooded with anxiety and without realizing it, 
your automatic coping mechanism is activated and you find yourself eating the entire basket of bread or chips that's on the table. Now, your conscious mind is going to think, what's wrong with me? I did it again. You get frustrated with yourself. But the subconscious mind is thinking, phew, I kept us safe from harm. I made sure that we didn't get ourselves in a dangerous situation. And this is often how the emotional eating cycle can unfold. There's going to be an emotional trigger. Maybe it's conscious or subconscious. And it floods your body with an uncomfortable, emotional, physical sensation that the brain reacts to by signaling you to eat to feel better. And in the moment of eating, you often do feel better. People tell me, well, Sarah, but I do feel good when I eat. And I'm not denying that. That is true because your brain is releasing those feel-good chemicals that are pleasurable. But what happens afterwards when you're done eating? Usually, the feelings of guilt, shame, and self-loathing surface. And how does your brain respond to these emotions? You guessed it, by signaling you to eat more. And this is why it's so easy to get stuck in the vicious cycle of emotional or binge eating and purging. Now, I'm not going to have time to really dive deeper into a lot of the subconscious weight loss blockers, but some of the most common repressed emotional wounds that are affecting eating and weight are going to be sexual trauma. And that doesn't have to be severe, but it could be anything that makes you feel unsafe or uncomfortable in your physical body. For women especially, um, there might be experiences when you were going through puberty and your body started to develop and become more womanly. And you may have started to receive comments or looks or attention from men that made you feel uncomfortable. Those can actually be kind of um, recorded in your brain as a little bit traumatic or scary And then without us realizing it, we put on weight as a form of protection. Another common subconscious weight loss blocker is going to be repressed anger. And I see this a lot in women as well, because we're often told we're not supposed to be angry. And so we can repress anger that we have, especially towards authority figure or parents or loved ones. Um, We don't feel like we should feel angry. And so we'll often internalize that onto oneself. If that's the case for you. If you know you've experienced sexual trauma, if you know you've got some anger building up inside, you're definitely going to want to do some healing work around those. And I've really noticed in doing so, people experience lots of improvements with their relationship with food. And oftentimes weight will sort of just melt off the body. Now you might be wondering what you can do about this. And like I said, the key here is to uncover, process, and release the emotional wounds that are still active and alive inside. And as you neutralize the emotional attachments to the memories of the past, you will experience freedom in the present moment, meaning the things that used to trigger emotional eating and emotional flooding in your body, they're no longer there. I like to sometimes give the metaphor of thinking about the painful experiences of your past as rose thorns stuck in your skin. Now, if you go about your life having never removed the thorns, then anytime somebody goes to hug you, it's going to push the thorns into your skin and you're going to experience a new surging of pain through your body. But if you were to remove the thorns and literally take them out of your skin one by one, then over time, as people heal you, the pain becomes less and less until the thorns are removed and you can just experience pleasure in the present moment and no longer be triggered with pain from the past. The tool that I personally use to remove emotional wounds with myself and with clients is called emotional freedom technique. This technique is also known as tapping. This process has been described as the modern miracle, and it's a form of psychological acupuncture. So it fuses tapping on acupressure points connected to energy meridians with cognitive talk therapy. And in doing so, it facilitates a rapid release of symptoms. Your thoughts, feelings, urges, these are all forms of energy in the body. So when you tap on these acupuncture points, you allow the energy to just flow naturally through and out the body, meaning you can literally free the emotional energy that contributed to your urge to eat. When you remove the emotion, the urge is just going to subside, just going to disappear. There are so many ways that you can use this technique, which is why I love it so much. And I want to share it with you, Um, but the benefits I call the four R's. So it can release trapped emotions, rebalance your body's energy system, 
reprogram your subconscious mind and relax your body and nervous system. This technique was absolutely transformative in my own eating disorder recovery. Once I learned and utilized tapping with my own coach, my eating disorder symptoms seemingly disappeared over six months, which I honestly never thought was gonna be possible. So once you process and release emotions, the things that once triggered you, they just become neutralized. And if you do get triggered, which will still happen, you now have a tool that you can actually use that's effective at processing the emotion instead of food, which we established it's only going to provide momentary relief, not a long-term solution. There are a ton of resources you can find online for tapping, and you can learn it as a self-healing tool. When it comes to getting at the root, I highly recommend working with an EFT practitioner because they can see your blind spots and navigate you through the depth of the pain and the psyche. So as you embark on healing your physical body and working on following the keto lifestyle that's best for you, I encourage you to also get curious about what is repressed, what experiences from your past may be affecting you in the present, and work on processing and releasing those things. The fourth body of health that you need to address to prevent developing an eating disorder or start to treat any disordered eating tendencies you have is the energy body. And I've already alluded to this a little bit when I talked about emotional freedom technique, but your body is made entirely out of energy. You only have to look at an EKG, right, to know that to be true. If you become in touch with your body, you'll notice that you experience different energy sensations that accompany different emotions. You can feel when stress is building in your body. Maybe it shows up as a headache or tightness in your chest or shoulders. If you're someone who purges, that purge may actually be an attempt to release the energy buildup in your body. So understanding our energy body is really important in healing, not just eating issues, but really any physical, mental, emotional symptom, anxiety, depression, et cetera, that you might be experiencing. And this can be tricky as well because we have our own energy, but we can also absorb and inherit emotional energies from people around us, parents, grandparents, friends. This is especially true if you're an empath. And an empath is someone who's highly sensitive to other people's emotions and can easily take on others' energy and pain. You may already know, yes, that's me, I'm an empath. And this may be a term that's completely new to you. It had been new to me. And when I learned about it and realized that applied to me, I felt like my entire life finally made sense because I always was struggling with feelings and sensations that didn't feel like they were mine but I didn't know what to do with them. And I would turn to food, I would binge and then purge as a way to literally release this energy from my body that didn't belong to me. So you might be doing that yourself. There's also emerging science on the concept of inherited cellular memories, um, meaning that we can literally receive or pass on emotional energies through genetics. So if that's the case, you know, your conscious mind can't detect what emotional energies then might be contributing to your eating urges if it doesn't necessarily belong to you. A clue that you might be struggling um, with potentially inherited energies is if you experience a lot of the same mental and physical health issues as a parent or grandparent, right? So a lot of times we do see these um, patterns throughout families and generations, and that means you know some of this might be genetic work as well. If this sounds like you, um, if you identify as an empath, if you think that you've potentially inherited some of these tendencies, the first thing is to learn proper energy hygiene strategies because this is a way to keep your energy body healthy and clean so you can function more optimally and just feel better. A few of the strategies that you can try today that don't require a practitioner will be, of course, exercise because that's a great way to move energy through and out your body. Spending time in nature, getting out into a forest or the ocean and making connection to the earth is extremely helpful at rebalancing our energy bodies. Taking an Epsom salt bath or shower, Epsom salt dissolves energies that don't belong to us. And you can also use sage or something like Palo Santo to cleanse energy around your body and in your space. Now, if you think that you've potentially inherited some of these tendencies, some of the energy healing modalities that I recommend that you can try 
to clear these are going to be emotion code and Reiki. Again, I don't have time to really dive into those techniques in this podcast, but you can um, look on my website or go online and do some research. And there's other forms of energy healing and clearing modalities as well that certainly work and are effective. These are just the two that I'm certified in. And again, by integrating that into your holistic healthcare practice, I find that people just when they do the energy work, along with proper nutrition and proper exercise, I mean, your health just transforms really rapidly. It's pretty cool. I love it. And I think that's one of the best kept secrets. They say the future of medicine is energy medicine. So you can jump on that bandwagon now and start to play around with it and experience it for yourself. I hope you're really enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. Snap a pic and tag me at Healthful Pursuit or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. The last body of health. We're at the end. We're almost there. The last body of health that you need to explore to cultivate a healthier relationship with food, eating, and your body is the soul body regardless of your religious belief. I believe we're souls having the human experience in a body. We are not our physical bodies, but so many of us are disconnected from our souls. And I know because that was me. And this can result in the development of what I call soul holes. So I want you to pause and think about whether or not you are in touch and living in alignment with the truth of who you are. Maybe you don't know who you are, and that's really common, and that's okay, but that's something worth exploring, and people don't always piece together that a lack of understanding oneself can contribute to our physical and mental and emotional health issues or issues with food, but it absolutely does. Other things that I want you to think about, if you're living your life according to how others say you should, or are you living according to what your inner guidance system is nudging you towards? Are you honoring that, that silent whisper that comes from within about what you want to do, what you're passionate about, what your purpose is? Do you know the answers to those questions? And look at your relationships as well, because often soul holes form from a lack of connection or authentic relationships where we really feel seen, heard, and understood. Lastly, you want to look at the contributions you're making to the world, because I also find a lot of soul holes develop when people don't feel like they're making a difference or fully serving to the magnitude or capacity that they know they have within. When you aren't living your truth, when you're missing connection, when you're missing genuine love, purpose, contribution to a greater cause, you will experience divine discomfort this inner discomfort that kind of eats us up inside, this gnawing at us, right? And how does your brain respond to inner discomfort if you're an emotional eater with urges to eat comfort foods? But a hole in the soul cannot be filled with food, even though that's what the subconscious mind tries to do. On my journey, I found that the more I reconnected to my true self and a higher power, whether you call that divine mind, God, universe, spirit, it doesn't matter. The more internal peace that I felt, the less intense my eating disorder urges were. Because if you think that losing weight is going to make you feel good or good enough, or like you can finally give yourself permission to love yourself and your life, that's an indication that you can really benefit from some inner work and a good soul wash. Because what is it that you're truly hungry for? It's to feel good to feel seen, loved, accepted as you are, to be genuinely happy, and to enjoy life with people who care for you that you also care about. The thing is, we put up walls, and we have these wounds, and we live in stories that make us think our weight equals our worth, and society definitely brainwashes us and programs us from an early age to believe that this is true, that our bodies are the most important measure of our value. And this may result in you blaming your body and hating yourself. I certainly had a lot of self-hate and loathing because I couldn't eat perfectly. I couldn't follow the perfect diet plan. I didn't have willpower and control. And I hated myself and my body for it. And the reality was my body was doing the absolute best it could to protect me and to take care of me 
So the very last thing that I want to encourage you to start working on as you start to heal your soul body is forgiveness, forgiving yourself, forgiving your body and forgiving others. This is such an important part to feeling the unconditional love and happiness that you yearn for, because the truth is it won't come from outside of you. That level of love and happiness has to come from within, regardless of how you look on the outside, regardless of how perfectly you're eating. So this means you have to have the courage, the courage to look within and explore the depths of your heart, emotions, mind, and soul. Ah, So there you have it, babes. That is a quick overview of the five bodies of health and some hopefully juicy tidbits and information that you can really think about and process and explore how this might be affecting you in your life. Um, And this doesn't matter, like I said, how severe your, your eating issues are or what it is you struggle with. Every single one of these bodies of health are worth exploring. And a reminder, you can download the free quiz I made to be able to understand which aspects of these bodies of health are most directly affecting you because then then that empowers you to know what areas you should address most. I want to wrap up by just summarizing what I covered because I know it was a lot. Um, I literally threw like eight years worth of personal and professional experience and information and knowledge into 40 minutes. So I'm going to just emphasize a few action items for you to keep in mind moving forward on your health journey. One, make sure to get enough nutrients to fuel your body and prevent it from initiating the survival mode, which can contribute to signals to binge. This also means make sure you're not restricting too much calories and that you listen to and honor your body's hunger cues, giving it fuel consistently throughout the day. Number two, start to become a mindful observer of your thoughts. Listen to the should talk, the good, bad language, the rationalizations, I'll start tomorrow, and the what the heck effect, and your inner critic and judge. And try to choose more intentional thoughts that make you feel good and keep you out of self-sabotage. Number three, remember that when you have an urge to binge or a craving for food, or you feel like you can't stop eating even though you're not physically hungry, this is usually an indication something beneath the surface has been triggered. Rather than eat, I want you to pause and sit with what's stirring inside of you and see if you can become more aware of the emotion that's present and then respond in a more effective way. You can try emotional freedom technique. You could try journaling, exercise, talking to someone. Doesn't matter what you try, just an alternative to eating. And really make it a priority moving forward to uncover, process, and heal any emotional wounds that are still alive inside, especially related to trauma and authority. Number four, try experimenting with different energy healing modalities to help rebalance your body's energy system and release energy blockages. And number five, it's time to start reconnecting to your higher self and greater soul purpose. Listen to and honor your inner guidance system and the inner whispers nudging you towards the path that's right and best for you the path of least resistance to your ultimate joy and happiness. Now, I know this is a lot of information. These are a lot of steps to take. And I want to be clear that all of these things aren't something you do just at once. They're really part of a a lifestyle of self-care. It takes ongoing focus, commitment, and practice. This is information I discovered over years and years of study And I've condensed it into a microdose to inform you so that you can just start to empower yourself to take effective action. Knowledge is power. And please, please, please know you do not have to do it alone. I highly recommend that you find support if you're struggling, especially if you're struggling with an eating disorder. If anything I said in this podcast resonates with you and you are ready to dive deeper into your healing work and you want support, you can find me on sarahspears.com and on Instagram at sarahspearsnft. I do offer a variety of services, one-on-one, online group programs. Um, I have some in-person support groups in San Diego and a ton of free resources and information that you can find online and at these media. 
If you do have questions or you want to connect, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Please send me a message. Let me know how, how I can best support you or just tell me what about this podcast was maybe most helpful or insightful for you. Lastly, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in. It's such a joy for me to be able to share my passion and my work with others. I hope that you got at least one tidbit of information that really turned on a light bulb and gave you insight into yourself and potentially why you might be struggling with different eating issues, as well as things to look out for to make sure it doesn't get worse, but gets better. And most importantly, I want you to leave this podcast knowing that you are enough just the way you are and that you can have fun on this healing journey and that it can be easy when you address the five bodies of health. Have a beautiful day and I look forward to connecting with all of you. Such a great episode, right? Oh, I hope it cracked you open like it did me when I listened to it for the first time. Next on the podcast, Sunday, January 12th, we have episode 222 with me. I'm sharing the nightmare that was going off my thyroid meds. If you are a woman struggling with your health and you're not sure where to turn and you've gone to the doctor perhaps to talk about the fact that you might have depression even or anxiety and they put you on some sort of medication, it's still not helping. I had a pretty rough go a couple of months ago when I went off my thyroid meds and it brought a lot of things to the forefront for me. I thought I was going completely insane. So you need to listen to this episode. On Wednesday, January 15th, episode 223, a couple of my friends are taking over the show talking about cyclical keto with your menstrual cycle. Oh my gosh. If you're a woman with a menstrual cycle, you need to listen to that episode. So I will see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, nutrition, and diet and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor should it be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 